welcome to the Chapman CG Global HR Webinar Series. Chapman CG hosts regular webinars with HR leaders and experts to facilitate the discussions on key global, regional, and local trends. Hello everyone, and welcome to today's live Chapman CG Global HR Webinar, Spotlight on China. My name is Ben Davis, and I'm a Managing Director with Chapman CG, a member of our executive team. I work closely with global HR leaders to help them build their teams around the world and have spent over seven years in Asia. Chapman CG is a global executive search firm dedicated solely to the HR profession. As a result of talking to hundreds of HR leaders on a daily basis, we are in a unique position to be able to share analysis and insights from these interactions. We also pride ourselves on providing this market intelligence to the HR community with regular HR leader roundtables podcasts and webinars. More information can be found on our website www.chatmancg.com. Today we will focus on the hottest trends in China. Chatman CG has worked in China for over 10 years and is one of our most active markets in Asia for HR searches. I'm delighted to introduce Gary Chin, a great HR friend and the current talent acquisition head with SAP based in Shanghai. Hi Gary. Hi. Oh, yes, thank you for introducing. Hi, everyone. That it's my pleasure to be here to share my you know, own thoughts about the talent market in China. And I hope that uh, um, my previous experience as the uh, headhunter for five years and also the, uh, over the past you know, uh, uh, 10 years, very much focusing on the talent acquisition for uh, primarily for the IT you know, industry, that uh, some of the, uh, the experience that I learned, I, I, I hope that it could be helpful for you guys to. Uh, understand a bit more about the challenges and the talent market dynamics in China. So uh, I will be looking forward to this discussion. And uh, also I'm delighted to welcome Flora Yim, uh, who is the HR Head for China with Deutsche Bank. Hi Flora. Hey Ben, and hello everyone. I'm glad to be here and um, apart from um, sharing with you all my experience here in China, I'm also keen to um, hear uh, your opinions as well and as a future learner. Fantastic. Well maybe um, Flora, I could start with you and zoom in on a, a question that we get asked a lot. Um, just in terms of the hottest HR agenda item for you at the moment and for Deutsche Bank, perhaps you could share a little. Um, sure. Uh, I think in China, as your presentation, I think right to point out, um, the telemarket here is very competitive. So I guess for most of the um, organization here, including Deutsche Bank, talent retention has always uh, the hot topic and very close to our HR professionals. Uh, but if you ask me, because now the market is slowing down, so some people say that probably you will, it will get people uh, thinking twice before changing their jobs. So uh, while you probably may better retain your uh, people with your firm, but how well uh, they engage and, and how will be their productivity, I think still matters. So uh, I think apart from talent retention, um, the second topic uh, which I think um, Deutsche Bank we really want to work on more is employee engagement. And um, Gary, that same question to you for SAP. What's the hottest agenda item on, on the HR agenda at the moment in China? Okay, sure. Um, I think that uh, uh, as an IT company that uh, we are probably facing the, uh, the most fierce you know, challenges in the kind of world in China because of these uh, rising you know, startups and also these already established you know, uh, IT company giants like Huawei, you know, Alibaba. We're all competing for the same the pool. Uh, and as 
uh, Catherine mentioned that uh, in this particular segment that the local companies are much more willing to pay more competitive pay for uh, talents, which in this sense that uh, any multinational company in IT sector today is in no advantage position to compete talents with these local companies for package. So from that perspective, for us that import branding is the key for us to differentiate ourselves from the rest of the competitors. And in this regard, also that leveraging the social media to promote ACP as an employer choice, but also from HR perspective, how do we you know, position ourselves and also for the business leader, how they position themselves as the personal branding in the market to attract the talents is also something that we think would be very important for us to attract and also retain the candidates. So that's one. And the second is that we also look very uh, closely to the work-life balance. Uh, and particularly that in this market, I mean for, for, for IT companies, uh, we are hiring a lot of uh, new graduates on a yearly basis. And these new generations, they probably are much more than any previous generation that they look at the uh, work-life balance in terms of how flexible the working time and also the location that we could offer, this become a one of the key considerations for these young generations. So as an offering of the overall uh, career package, this is something that is very important for them. So from a company perspective, we're also looking at how do we come up with a, a proper policy but also arrangement to meet both company and also the individual employees' uh, needs as well. And the third one that we're looking at is uh, we look at the, uh, the new trend of the performance management. So traditionally that every year we, we may do you know, uh, one time or, or two times you know, annual you know, performance rating, but more and more we feel that uh, this probably is no longer the case for us to engage employee. So we are shifting eventually from the traditional annual performance rating to a more frequent, regular engagement conversation rather than give a final rating at the end of the year. So this is the, another initiative that the ACP as a company, we are piloting uh, starting from today and what we want to see how this become a new engagement tool with our employees. Fantastic, and I think that's a topic that we're hearing about in our sessions around the world, the evolving state and indeed the, the application of performance management. Um, Flora, I'm, I'm curious, there have been some changes in China's labor law in the last few years. Um, do, do you think that they have become more pro-employee and how are you do dealing with that at Deutsche Bank? Well, I, I think the China labor law always has its uh, uh, very well-known reputation for being a, a very low employee. And I, I will say that it still is. But the thing is that um, I think the, um, the lawmaker as well as those uh, people who implement um, the law, I think they are becoming more um, commercial, I would say, and also realistic when they um, interpret um, those laws. Um, so in the past, I think we hardly heard any cases that uh, when an organization against a colleague uh, over a labor dispute, so every time, so the employee won. But, but now I heard uh, a few cases that um, the 
um, organization won the case. So I think the lesson learned, or uh, also we, we heard from our peers here and also some uh, professional, I think what important um, to, the, to the employer or to the organization here is that is you have to understand the law uh, really clearly. And also you have to make sure that um, you have proper documentation so as to make sure that uh, the organization is well protected in case anything happens. But still, I, I will say that uh, the China labor law is something uh, really complicated and it's not just having a federal uh, national law. Um, the labor law could be very different across cities in China. And you know that in, in China there are so many cities we are talking about, like, 60-something uh, cities, so it is really complicated. And um, Gary, in terms of um, SAP, um, something that we get asked a lot is how how effective and how much influence HR leaders in a country have on the global strategy, the global decisions. I'm curious, um, do you feel that in China, um, you and the rest of the HR team make an impact on business strategies for the organization? And how does that happen in SAP? Uh, I think that uh, the uh, in ASAP that Great China has become a uh, uh, one region which the post started to uh, to the global organization. So that put us in a more advantage you know position in terms of we have more direct you know contact with the global headquarters. So that it makes us a little more a, a more e a easier, much easier to convey the message from the. Uh, ground to all the way to the top. Uh, so from that perspective, uh, the HR as, a, as an overall organization that we are able to quickly to uh, uh, share what's going on, uh, I mean, particularly around the talent award, the, uh, the talent strategy, what talent strategy we want to put together for, uh, uh, for the market and what particular initiative what we want to do so that we can quickly get the support from a global headquarters and then we can implement this. So I think uh, this is a definitely a, uh, uh, a trend that we see uh, in China that more and more the, when the China business become a uh, independent region separating from Asia Pacific region, it gives you know, HR and but also the business a much better chance to influence headquarters uh, and to uh, implement the strategy much faster. And also that if I can talk a little bit beyond just SAP, I think that today in, uh, uh, in China market that the, from a capability perspective that I do see that the, the China market has the uh, HR leaders who has the full experience and experience that can uh, design the strategy to impact the business. So if we look at all these, you know, very successful local companies, you know, you, you name it, you know, Alibaba, you know, Huawei, Tencent, they are all local based. But over the past, you know, over the past few years that they all have been growing very fast and I believe that there's a, a lot of contribution made by the local HR team that can directly impact on the overall business strategy. Absolutely. And Flora, what would your, your view be, maybe in the Deutsche Bank context? Um, well, definitely, I think China is a is a market that nobody can ignore, right? And it's important. I think it's definitely growing uh, because uh, of uh, its uh, economy. Uh, but I think for financial um, industry, it could be a little bit different because uh, it is a highly regulated industry. So uh, whether we can um, we can make it a region itself or 
or not. I think it depends on uh, whether the, the regulation um, allows us to have that kind of uh, uh, business scale to be established in, in, in this country. So, um, so I, I think there's still some factors uh, to consider. However, having said that, uh, I would say that even though China may not be um, considered a region or regional hub yet, but the thing is that I think it has all the attention from the global peers. Maybe for, for both, maybe Gary first, when you're competing with um, global Chinese companies, what are you seeing as the main reasons people are coming to you know, a, a foreign uh, global MNC? What's your view? Okay, uh, I think today in today's you know, market, it's not easy to attract these uh, you know, talents uh, for working with a multinational company because uh, the all, over the over the years that the overall attraction of a multinational company, particularly in IT industry, is decreasing uh, against these uh, rising you know local powerhouse. Um, and particularly from the paper spec, which we already discussed, that there's particularly for for the senior level that uh, there's no way for for, for IT company, multinational company, to compete with these uh, internet company or these uh, you know local powerhouse. Um, but I think that what you know, multinational company could do is I think that there's a few things. One is uh, if you look at the, uh, these uh, talents today, they very much prefer a uh, more friendly working environment in which that the people respect each other. You don't necessarily lead with the traditional Chinese way, like you know, with authority, seniority, because I'm more senior, so that I can command you to do anything but more like kind of a respect as an individual person. So I think this is still some kind of an edge that the multinational companies still have uh, uh, today. And the second is that I think, uh, again, this the work-life balance is a still a, a very powerful tool for us to attract these candidates. Um, uh, particularly that when we put a lot of efforts to uh, address not only the uh, physical health, but also the mental health that to, to, to manage, you know, uh, uh, individual employees, all you know, challenges that, and, and if you put the, uh, the some program, you know, like you know, inclusion and a diversity in a place that really will set you apart from you know the rest of the competitors, particularly those you know local companies, because uh, on one hand that the local company does pay you uh, much much more than the traditional market company, but on the other hand, uh, they're less flexible. You know, working hour, and they, they they would tend to work much longer hour. You know, uh, in the local company, so that that kind of balance that you 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 need to you know really to uh, uh, to to strike for for the employees. And of course, then the uh, regional and global uh, uh, community for those talents to grow and also to build that network is another attracting uh, you know uh, factors for uh, for the particularly for the young talents because today. If we look at these uh, new millennials, so they are very used to the networking and community concept. Now, given that this, as a mountain company, you would have an opportunity to provide them a virtual community where you can connect all these different people all together and then share the best price and, and thoughts around working on it, uh, one particular global project. This is another piece of uh, you know attraction for those you know, talents as well. Very interesting. I wonder, Flora, with financial services, do do you see the same, uh, or do you see it slightly differently versus the 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 local uh, local banks and financial institutions? 
think I, I totally agree what uh, Gary just mentioned here. Uh, um, I think all he mentioned are the strength of uh, MNC in terms of attracting talent. And it did, I, I, I think so many people right now think that it seems uh, MNC uh, losing its traction uh, to, uh, to, to the talents and, and the local company uh, getting more uh, traction there. It's true, but the thing is that I, I find that it's still um, uh, a very sizable uh, number of people or talent, they still uh, like to work for MNC. I think it is uh, kind of a personal choice, especially for the younger generation, you know, um, uh, because of this one-child policy. So many of the, the, the younger generation, they're the only child in family, and the family uh, always send them abroad uh, to study. And these kids, I would say, after graduation, um, I think the, the, the logical choice for many of them would be working for MNC because they're already um, living in that kind of a, or more Western culture, right? So that's why MNC, uh, I think, uh, their choice still. Uh, but again, after working in an MNC for some years, then they will think about, so what will be my prospect there? So we cannot, we cannot uh, deny that in local if you are a local Chinese, probably um, you you probably may have a, a better prospect or at least easier for you uh, to understand uh, the culture there. And just to follow up on that, um, I mean China seems to have a reputation for less talent than the roles companies want to put in China. I wonder whether you would agree with that, or whether <laughs> whether actually it's just about finding a different approach to develop the talent. What's your view, Flora? Um, I'm not sure whether I, I got your question correctly. Do, do you mean that whether we, we, we are more developing the local talents or we are still importing talents from overseas? Correct, correct. And when people are looking for regional talent to be based in China, say in Shanghai or Beijing, with certain skills, mm. it feels sometimes people say there isn't enough talent for the roles. But in actual fact, I mean, my experience and I don't know yours, there seems to be enough talent, it's just whether they, they've all had that extra bit of experience in the region. Are, are, we develop, are we giving them the right experiences to then take on that step up role? Uh. Definitely. I, I think uh, development definitely uh, is required uh, for, for the local talents and I will say that as compared to maybe 10 years ago, I think the, the quality um, of, the, um, of the local talent here I think has increased significantly and, and no wonder I think in terms of pay, we say that right now China is already at the top level yeah. because I would say that the, the talents here, the, the, the term I use talent here is are, are really talking about talents, right? Those with a very qualified skill and knowledge. So for those people, many of them, they have um, exposure overseas, I would say that they have a pretty international profile and also they know the local China market very well. So. Um, so I, I, I guess, yes, so we, for example, like our bank, uh, so I know that many organizations, they said, oh, we have to localize um, our, our, our team, etc. For us, what we are thinking is we have to internationalize our talents, meaning no matter you are, you are local Chinese or, or you are somebody from elsewhere now working in China, we would like to make sure that these colleagues, they uh, have an international profile, and I think that fits with uh, a global organization like Deutsche Bank. Fascinating. And, and on that point, yeah, Gary, sorry, go ahead. So um, if I can uh, you know, build on what just for a share, I think that today uh, 
uh, in today's market in China that uh, literally that you can find all kinds of uh, you know uh, talents. I mean, particularly from a leadership position perspective, uh, even that uh, we, we talk about the MD or country manager or president CEO for China, you can get the uh, uh, the Chinese talents for for that particular, and of course that uh, you know from uh, industry to industry may uh, slightly different, but overall I would say that the talent pool is there, uh, unless that uh, there's a very specific you know very uh, new emerging technology that uh, maybe that we 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 don't have that you know talent available uh, in China that that more probably will come from uh, North America, but other than that I think that it it would be more confident than ever. You know, uh, we could find that you know type of leadership role uh, in China, given that uh, so many years of uh, uh, grooming and also development of China market by um, probably by the multinational company. So I think that confidence is clearly there for for most of companies that at least for for my my own conversation with all these you know, talent acquisition leads uh, in multiple you know, companies in you know, different industry, they all feel that uh, yes, we we can find these uh, talents in China. Yeah, and I, I do have a question uh, question about mobility. Um, do, I mean, do either of you see that there is a, a trend up or down in the openness that China talent and the real talent, as you as you both shared, to to leave China for that international assignment? Because I I made the point that sometimes from a, a family perspective and a feeling that China is the is where the action is, there's a lot going on, not everybody would want to leave. What's your view on whether that's happening more, happening less? Are there any secrets to, to get people to do the mobility piece? What are your views? Maybe Flora first. I think this is a very, really good question because um, I think MNC like us and also um, Gallus firms at SAP, right? So what one of the, the strengths that we have is um, the, the so-called global opportunities. And somehow we thought that, wow, this is something really that the talents want. But um, yeah, I think Ben, as you, you, you pointed out, um, it, it's not for everyone, I would say, because um, I think it, it could be something cultural as well, because here uh, I think family is really important. So while somebody, they may have their career aspiration to gain a more global uh, exposure, they'll also think about whether it's good for their family. So when you take that into consideration, then it is not an easy question to answer. And also, um, as you say, because right now it seems like the Chinese economy is going so well, right? People were like, uh, well, this is, this is the time that uh, probably I should stay instead of leave this market because who knows, right? After a few years, when I come back, so whether I can still uh, be one of the, the talents we well consider for this market because I may have lost the connection with this market. So if this is a purely um, uh, overseas role without connection with China, people will have some hesitation. But if that role uh, being overseas, but somehow have um, connection with China because now, uh, as we know, so many companies have um, going international, so they will have China desk, including like our bank. So, for this kind of job, um, serving China market and working overseas, I think these are the real uh, good opportunity for the local talents. Thank you, Flora. G Gary, any uh, secret uh, uh, insights on how you can okay. get people to be mobile? <laughs> Uh, well, I, I would say that in IT industry, that for those uh, uh, tech technology-related works, I think that uh, talents are more willing to 
take the international assignment or even you know, permanently move to overseas because from their perspective, they do see that the, the cutting-edge technology, the, the innovation are still today in North America or in Europe rather than uh, in China. So for these uh, type of uh, talent, they uh, at least you know, mentally they are more ready to move if that you know, opportunity is offered. Now, if for the uh, uh, the other roles, you know, uh, it, as Flora said, that uh, there's a concern around that the work this role would provide them opportunity to connect back to the China, because uh, uh, as the cultural reason that uh, people may may not necessarily want to, you know, uh, permanently relocate in, uh, in, in in overseas, they, they probably still want to uh, uh, come back to to China because the law is there. And also, when it comes to the individual case, I think it varies because uh, one of the key factors is probably this is uh, culturally different from the Western country, uh, particularly for those uh, you know middle-aged you know uh, leaders or managers. They would consider their family situation, meaning that their aging parents, whether the family situation would allow them to take a longer assignment overseas without being able to take care of their, their aging parents. So I think. This could be one of the factors that uh, for multinational company to 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 look at when they are uh, you know talk to their you know own Chinese people you know to uh, uh, assign for a uh, you know uh, overseas assignment, and then of course that, that the children's you know uh, uh, education would be another you know uh, consideration as well. Uh, so based on my personal experience in dealing with some uh, mobility cases, I think uh, on average people definitely were much more open and willing to move to a developed uh, market rather than a uh, emerging market like China. Brilliant. And Catherine, um, I should put a couple of questions to you. Uh, maybe first the, the one we get asked a lot, you know, in your view in the China market, what separates or makes a great HR leader or function leader? What's the, what's the magic? What's the thing uh, that, that differentiates them? That's a very interesting question. Then um, I think put everything aside, you know, besides solid HR experience and functional expertise in all areas. If you ask me, I think there are probably two areas that really set uh, some of them apart. Uh, one I would say is the global mindset, um, as we um, have been talking about today and. Gary and Flora also mentioned China is a very prominent market for many, many organizations, probably most of the organizations. So no matter it's a decentralized or it's a centralized model within the organization, um, you know, the headquarters would be very keen to understand uh, what is happening in China and where it is going. Um, for for the uh, overall business. So as HR leaders in China, you not only need to have that solid foundation and root in China, but you need to have that capability to really connect with the global leader to help them understand the dynamics um, in China and also to make suggestions to the global headquarters, you know, like you, you asked earlier, the impact from actually bottom up to global headquarters. So being able to um, you know, see from within China and also look from beyond China, that balance and combination, I think, is really important for uh, an excellent HR leader over there. And the other thing, I think, is probably just being the true 
um, HR business partner uh, to business leaders. It's interesting because over the years when I um, do reference checks with business leaders, uh, it has stood out to me that, uh, you know, when HR leaders really get the respect from uh, business leaders is when they actually can uh, stand up or push back or have that tough conversation uh, with um, you know, business leaders, uh, you know, show, offer your opinion uh, rather than just purely taking orders. Uh, and sometimes it's, it's going to be very challenging and, and difficult to, to get uh, agreement. However, once there is an agreement, even if it's not something that these HR leaders initially agreed to, once that's um, reached a point of agreement within the organization, they really truly commit to it and really carry the flag and then make it happen in the organizations. Those kind of HR leaders really get the respect from their um, business leaders and they are seen as the true advisor or business partners. So that's kind of my, my uh, two points for, for the question. Thanks, Catherine. And Flora, I'd love to hear your, your view on that. And indeed, do, do you see the HR profession evolving in China? Or where do you see the, the profession at the moment? Uh, definitely evolving. And that, again, explains why uh, you guys say that it's inside that HR talents are getting more expensive in China. Uh, because I, I guess in the past, HR uh, was being regarded as like um, a, um, a housekeeper, I would say, uh, more administrative and transactional. So uh, to make sure that all the company um, um, uh, abide to the um, to the labor law and, and, and that's all doing some play role. But nowadays, I, I think more, many companies, including uh, the local company or even the startup, uh, they realize that uh, it is very important uh, to build a culture, to make sure the employee are engaged, etc. And also because the, the market uh, is so competitive, right? So it is so um, difficult to retain talent. So that's why they know that it's very important to have a strategic uh, and value-adding HR, so as to make sure that uh, they can help the organization uh, retain their best talents. So it's definitely evolving. So next, uh, I think Catherine pointed out that um, uh, being an excellent HR here, you have to be very commercial, uh, you have to stand up uh, for your, your decision, etc. So this is something I think uh, really different from the past. In the past, it's just um, uh, the, the CEO or whatever uh, tell you to do whatever and then you just take the order. But nowadays, I think uh, being an evaluated HR should not be like that. You should have your independent thinking and also really think uh, from business perspectives. And Gary, um, I know you always look to the, like to look to the future. Um, one of the there's two areas I was thinking about: um, data analytics and probably also social media, um, and just just the construction of roles within the HR and talent acquisition function. What do you see as the future? Maybe around talent acquisition within China, and anything specific for China that you, you think is is slightly different to what you hear your colleagues talk about in other regions. Um, I think uh, in terms of the evolving of the talent position uh, in China, I think one of the key trends I see that uh, number one that we definitely using uh, uh, more and more technology to you know, enable us to, uh, to do the uh, works much more efficient. Uh, so that's that's clearly a uh, so uh, if you look at the uh, the talent position uh, today in China, this has become a uh, industry. If you look at that, uh, there are so many. 
uh, new tools technology emerged as a uh, one or the other two to enable the overall acquisition team to do a better sourcing, better candidate engagement, and a better candidate management throughout the, the end-to-end hiring process. This is a very definite uh, clear trend that everybody wants to leverage the technology to streamline their, their hiring process, but also better and quicker you know, reach out to the uh, target talents. So that is something that we see it's very clear that over there because uh, also we see that there's so many you know venture capital list is investing in this particular sector to boost the, the entire you know uh, sector as as an emerging industry I mean for for talent acquisition uh, it's it, uh, its own and a second that we see that using data to uh, uh, analyze this data that you acquired from the entire end-to-end hiring process, this becomes a value-added thing that we can provide not only to our own HR folks, but also to the business. So for example, right, whenever that business will say, hey, I want to develop a new business or a new business initiative in one particular market, guess what? You need to find that needed talents in that particular market. And if the data analysis or all the market intelligence that you could have and advise the business at the very beginning and to work with them to devise the overall business plan, that's already the better uh, added to the business because sometimes that you may not necessary to have the ready and available talent in that particular market. So for example, like you know, some business may say, I want to penetrate our business to the third tier, even you know, fourth tier, the market. But then the question is that, are we able to get these talent you need to do your business in this market? Sometimes the, the disappointing news is that based on the data, unfortunately that these talents are not available. So then what is going to be our talent strategy? Whether we move our you know, ready talents from tier one city to tier, uh, tier three or even tier four for, for, for time, uh, for time to, to train up the local you know talents. I mean all this you know will impact your business uh, uh, results. So I think this is another thing that I see the trend that you use the data to 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 do the uh, analysis, but also even beyond that you can to do some predictive you know uh, data. So for example, like uh, you use these uh, you know, all the data you uh, uh, you get from your uh, applicant tracking system, and also you monitor these people's movement around social media. You may have, I mean, use some technology may help you to predict that okay, where these you know talents are moving towards which you know, segment and which market and how uh, they are you know evolving you know uh, career interest and may impact your overall you know, attraction strategy. So I think that the, these are the two major you know trends that I see that is you know happening in the overall intent acquisition field. And um, Flora, maybe um, as a last question, um, did you have any advice to HR leaders listening who aren't as familiar with China in terms of better understanding the culture of China and Chinese employees? Well, I I I, I won't dare say that question. advice, but uh, come, come, <laughs> to China, come to China, experience that. I think it's important that you can come here. And then your experience meet with the people, and and just I think we we say here, right? It is worthwhile uh, to sending the local talents overseas for for short term assignment. So I guess the same. So if possible, maybe um yeah, the, if you are in 
uh, UK or US or whatever. So if you're interested in China, maybe ask your organization and see whether they can send you here for three months uh, assignment. I think that will be the uh, quickest uh, way for you to get to know China. Then. And, and, and um, Ben, I want to build on what Nafar just shared. I think that, uh, you know, of course, that whenever that the, the, uh, it is allowed, that the, it's, it's good, you know, to have your, you know, global person to have a short assignment rotating, you know, in China, particularly when you're in a global role that has direct, you know, connection with, uh, with China market. The other thing that you possibly could do is, one is that uh, you may have a regular skip level one-on-one -on -one with your uh, local Chinese employees or managers. I mean, in this, one one is not just only talking about what's going on on the market, but more I think uh, is to ask their opinions and their thoughts and also their understanding of the global policy or the uh, the global program that we are going to roll out for the global market. I mean, and through that process, you understand okay where these thoughts come uh, come from and why Chinese employee or local market thinks this way or maybe different from what you think at the first place. So that's one. The other thing is that it would be best that if you could have a one China uh, representative in your staff meeting, so then whenever that before you roll out any significant global program to the market, that this particular China representative can uh, advocate whatever that he or she thinks that it could be, you know, beneficial for the China market, but also beneficial for the entire program, because uh, um, China is a very different market. And uh, based on its culture, but also its uh, local market condition, which is very different from the rest of the uh, world, particularly the mature market, there's definitely there's no one-size-fits-all. And my experience also find that uh, uh, there's still kind of a mindset in uh, uh, at global level that they, they feel that something works very well in mature market like US or Europe may also work in uh, emerging market like China, but actually it is not the case. So if at the very beginning that you have a that you know representative in your staff meeting at the designing part you know stage so that they can provide the uh, the suggesting and advice that could be much better for uh, for the for the team to roll out these global you know, program. So I think that these are the two things probably is not that difficult to implement. Fantastic. Thank you. Thank you so much, Gary, and thank you, Flora. Uh, we'll wrap up there, and thank you, everyone, for attending today's webinar, A Spotlight on China. The next live webinar will be A Spotlight on Africa, which we hope you will be able to join us for uh, on the 19th of July, and you can register online at our website from today. Once again, thank you very much to our panel, and also thank you for attending. For more information, visit www.chapmancg.com.